The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard, and I am joined, as always, by Tim Foster, my colleague. Hi, John. And our special guest today is Lloyd Levine, former state legislator, working on a book upcoming uh, on technology versus government, and I love that title. Also, senior fellow in policy, in policy at UC Riverside. Yep, senior policy fellow at University of California Riverside. I was almost right. I was close enough. Uh, Lloyd, thank you so much for coming today for joining us. We wanted to talk with you because you're a you're a guy all 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 techie. I think a lot of technology, a lot of electricity. You favored uh, energy conservation, electricity when you were in the legislature, yep. uh, and we thought we'd chat with you today because of the gasoline prices that are they're starting to go down a little bit, but they were bouncing way up. They still are way high. Mm-hmm. And so first question I had was the availability of electric cars and the desirability of buying them. Are they good versus not only on conservation grounds, but also on economic grounds? Is it a good idea now to go out and buy an electric car? Absolutely. Um, and it's been a good idea for a while now. Um, you know, it, it's a perception issue, not a product issue. Um, people's perception of electric vehicles uh, you know, it's improving on a daily basis yeah. um, versus the reality of an electric vehicle is, is, is somewhat different. Um, you know, every day that goes by, practically, a new model comes out. And that's one of the things I had argued for a long time. One of the, the thing that was most going to improve the adoption of electric vehicles was model diversity. When you had more models, more types of cars, more affordability, um, people would really start to, start to adopt. And you're seeing that. We just passed over a million electric vehicles on the road in California just a, a few weeks ago. Is, is charging uh, an obstacle? You have to, I'm talking about a fully electric car. Uh, What's the range on these typically, and how often do you have to charge them to get where you want to go? So that's that's an excellent question, um, and that's one that ties into the perception versus the reality. The first-generation electric vehicles were relatively short-ranged, um, and they had a purpose. And they, you know, and, the, and, and among their purposes was you know really technological understanding, experimentation. Yeah. Um, but now. Most of, if not all, of the new electric vehicles, um, and there's so many, I used to be able to rattle off the four that there were. Now there's so many, I can't tell you all of them anymore, um, are all at least 250 uh, miles range to, to 330 mm-hmm. miles range for the most part. And the the brand there's a brand new one out that's actually EPA rated at 500 miles range. Now it's an expensive wow, which one. Which one is that? Um, the, um, oh, what's it? Lucid. The Lucid Air. And, and they're following a similar model to Tesla. The Lucid Air is a premium, expensive level luxury car, but they are proving that you can make a, a car that can go 500 miles. And that's one of the things I used to say years ago in similar you know, type of conversations was, you know, yeah, Tesla's expensive, but what they're doing is proving that you can do this. And that same technology that's expensive today will be inexpensive tomorrow. What about the durability of the batteries? There was a, a couple of months ago, I think there was a recall on the Volt. The Bolt. The Bolt. It was the Bolt. Yep. Yeah. And one the issue, one of the issues anyway, was the batteries were catching fire. And they there was a workaround, mm-hmm. as I understand it, to not charge to hundred percent, but to charge something less than that. So not fully keep it. Are, are those issues being resolved? Oh yeah. First of all, the, that was uh, you know that was a legitimate issue. But again, you know when you look at what's being recalled, the yeah. the number of incidents, and I don't want to diminish the significance, but the number of incidents that trigger a recall, you know, is, is not you know that high. 
I mean, there's, there's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of Chevy Bolts out there. And most of them drive around every day without catching fire. A few that had the issues, so they issued the recall to fix it. But, you know, the, the, you know you're, you're driving around with several gallons of gasoline under your car, you know, and yeah, that, that can explode too. Batteries yeah. generally don't explode in an accident. Gasoline can. There's, there's drawbacks and trade-offs. The electric vehicles on balance are safer. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there were a few issues, but those are resolved. And going back to your question about charging, um, you know, I think that's a, it's one of the things I want to come back to that because I think that's one of the most important points to understand about electric vehicles. And it's one of the points that most needs clarifying. Um, there's a variety of levels of charging. Um, and, and, you know, one of the best parts about electric vehicles is that you can charge at home. You know, I don't want a gas station in my house, in my driveway, but I pull into my house every night and I just plug my car in and it charges while I'm making dinner, while I'm doing work, while I'm watching TV, while I'm, you know, playing with the kids, whatever. My car charges um, and I get up the next morning and it's, you know, whatever percent fully charged that I want it to be. Um, and, you know, and then you've got, uh, you know, chargers out along the highways too. Uh, both Tesla has built their own proprietary network and then Electrify America has a network. And now one of the talking points on electric vehicle advertising that you'll see is recharge times. And one perception was, oh, electric vehicles take forever to charge. And they used to, and they still can. I don't bother charging mine. I haven't installed fancy infrastructure at my house to charge mine quickly because I don't care how fast. So do you charge me. your house charger? Is that one ten or two twenty? It's it's a one ten. I could upgrade to a two twenty, but I don't need to. Um, for my everyday stuff, I'd have to spend more money than it's worth to put in the two twenty outlet in the garage and do all of that. Than it's worth to to you know to to get that little you know extra fast charging. But if you're out driving on the highways. Tesla can take you um, at their supercharger network from 20% charge to 80% charge in about 10 minutes. That is, you were mentioning that earlier, and that's pretty you know, incredible. I've got, a, I've got a friend who owns a Tesla also, mm-hmm. and um, he drives to Oregon, Newport Beach, Oregon, I think, frequently. And he said that, uh, he said similar to what you're saying, he said you could take the Tesla and go, they would stop in Reading and get dinner yeah. or something, plug it in, and when they were finished with dinner, it was back up to fully, rather than going from zero to fully charge, it's a lot less than that. The time is less when you're just topping it off. Yeah, so it, it is. There's a big, you know, it's, it's the, the best analogy I've heard is it's kind of like a bathtub where you want to fill it as full as possible, not but not overfill it. So you can fill that bathtub with a fire hose up to a certain point, but then as it gets close to the top, you've got to turn that way back, otherwise it's going to spill over the edge. Kind of the same thing with the battery. It'll charge really fast up to a certain point, and then it'll slow down. Um, so yeah, that 20 to 80%, 85%, you can do that like that. And, you know, and, and, and that one for me is if you don't want to have dinner. So, you know, I took my family up to the Sacramento National Wildlife Refuge a couple weeks ago, and um, we I didn't realize how far away it was, and I had plenty of charge to get there, and I might have had enough charge to get back, but rather than try, they're, you know, up at Grand Zanella's off I-5, there's a bank of chargers. So I'm like, okay. So I ducked in there. The kids ran into Grand Zanella's with my wife for like five minutes, and when we came back, I had put 25% additional charge in the car in just five minutes, which was more than enough to get me home. Plus and that... I mean, just for context, that's probably about about the same as getting gas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's five or ten minutes when you stop and you got to yeah. get gas. And by the time you the get car. out of the car, because I don't have to put my credit card in. By the time you get out of the car to you know pull in, get out of the car, um, and, and some of this stuff sounds like it's like, well, how long does that take? But it all adds up. You know, open the gas tank, unscrew the cap. 
you know, pay, pay or go in and pay and all that and then stand there and wait while the thing goes tick, 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 while you're smelling gasoline. Yeah, you're you're right. It's probably nobody times it, but it's a five to ten minute process. And then so often do you have to change the batteries? Or if the batteries, I mean, like a cell phone or like, you know, the battery ultimately goes out, only takes so many recharges. So how often would that, how long does that last? And then how much does it cost? Um, it, it lasts about 10 years or more. Um, there, a lot of the companies are warranting their batteries wow. at at least 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, so the degradation is very slow um, and, and not significant. You know, we're talking 10% reduction in 10 years. You know, so it's a minimal degradation over a long period of time. The cost of replacement is dropping. Um, and I would liken that to, okay, well, you know, what's the cost of replacing an engine? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. John just found I just out. Did right. I can tell you what the cost. <laughs> right. So, what is the cost of replacing an engine in a car? Um, you know, do you replace it? I don't know how often people replace engines these days. They, you know, I, I, I've been driving electric for a while. So, yeah. you know, so yeah. I mean, they're, you know, I like. I, I, you know, that's a straw man argument. And I hear lots of things. Well, what about this? I'm like, well, you know, look at gas powered cars, and you've got issues. You know, multiple issues with those. Yeah. And on balance, driving an electric vehicle is far less expensive far better for the environment, and it's a far better driving experience. The, the one thing that I found really interesting, and I didn't realize this, was coming, and this is years ago, um, coming back from San Francisco, stuck in traffic, and I'm sitting in my car. And at the time, you know, the electric vehicles were on the cutting edge of, like, entertainment tech as well. And I noticed two things. Because I had kind of so easy entertainment tech and the lack of hum and vibration, which is silent. I'm yeah, just sitting in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And very, I was not at all stressed despite being stuck in traffic. I was not. Uh, you know, there was something about that lack of the vibration and the cars. Mm, if the you, if you made the investment up front, that's more, you know, uh, more for an electric, a new, I'm talking about new cars now, mm-hmm. electric vehicle versus a non-electric vehicle. Right. How long do you think it would be to recoup the, the amount of money you're paying an extra to get the electric car? But you don't have to pay gas, buy gas. So how right. long would that? Well, take? I mean, you can't. That, that depends. Like you know, yeah. what you know, what car are you getting? How long are you going to keep it? Where you know, were you about to get a new car anyways? Are you car- getting the Ferrari of electric cars, right. or are you getting the Yugo well, of electric cars? <laughs> Does right. Yugo make electric? Cars? No. <laughs> Although that is something you said earlier. Something you referred to a friend having a Tesla. Yeah. And, you know, there's a perception out there that Tesla, you know, rightly is a much more expensive car. And it is. Yeah. Now, I would argue that it's no more expensive than, say, you know, BMW, but it is an expensive vehicle. Um, so when you're talking about some of those recharge times, I don't want to just give Tesla. Um, yeah. I was actually looking yesterday because um, I actually really like the car, the new Kia EV6. It's a beautiful looking car. Um, and it also boasts on their website one of the features that many car companies are bragging about now is how fast you can charge your car. Because they recognize that is a perception barrier to people adopting because they may not want to have spend that long charging. That's the first thing I hear from people talking about them is how do I charge? charge. How long does it take? Exactly. You know, how far can I go? And so, you know, the car, that, that's why I started off this conversation talking about perception versus reality. The perception is left over. Um, about the range, you know, most cars now are getting 250 to 330 miles range, more than enough for your daily driving. I just drove from, I didn't even have my car fully charged. I drove from my house in Sacramento to San Francisco, drove to dinner in Berkeley, um, and then drove home again, all in one day, never, you know, all at freeway speeds, um, you know, which is actually where electric vehicles don't quite do as well, you know, as they do in cities because of the recharge, the regeneration, but all at freeway speeds. 
And I had, you know, plenty of battery left over uh, when I pulled into my driveway. So, you know, yeah, for me, for any use case, I can go to, I can put my kids, my wife, my kids, the dog, and all of our luggage in the car, go to Tahoe, again, not babying it, driving, you know, normal freeway speeds, getting to Tahoe, and still have, you know, ample battery life left when I get there. I could actually drive to Tahoe and back in one day because going uphill like a gas-powered car yeah. takes more power. Whether you're burning gas or electricity, it takes more to go up the hill. I can you make know, a round trip to Tahoe. Something you said earlier, uh, you stopped in Granzanellas and you got a top off on your charge. Yeah. And you also mentioned that there are charging stations, for example, at the Target on Riverside. If you're in Sacramento, you all know the Target on Riverside used to be the old and that's not, station. And that's not Tesla. Right. That, that's that's a, Electrify that's, America's charging station. And so here's a question. So when I go to a gas station, I put in, well, right now, probably $50 to fill up my car. Uh, but how do you pay for a charging station like at Granzanella's or Target? How does that work? Uh, it's an app. Just like, you know, there, there's so many different apps out there now, um, you know, even just to park, you know, SAC parking is an app on your phone. Um, mm -hmm. And so you pay with an app. So when I go to the charging station, my car is connected to my phone. My phone is connected via Bluetooth to the car. I can't get in my car without my phone. And it knows. So it just automatically charges the and credit card that's preloaded into the Tesla app. And, and is it just thing. a regular, regular electricity rates? How does that work? I mean, because it's kind of supercharging them if, if it, I'm not Yeah, mistaken. but the cost of electricity is fixed by the utility company. It's right. not a variable cost like gasoline that changes every day. Um, SMUD rates, for yeah. example, they don't change. Um, and so, or they, they will, but not, you know, not on a daily basis. Yeah. Do you uh, see any move on the horizon to make those charging stations uniform? Um, they are relatively uniform now in that there's two, there's one main plug standard um, that, you know, that almost all electric cars except for Tesla. Uh, Tesla has their own plug standard, yeah. but in one of the few concessions Elon Musk has ever made to the rest of the world, <laughs> your Tesla actually comes with an adapter now. So if I need to charge, like here at my office complex, there are a couple of, um, you know, uh, I don't even know, charge point chargers. Yeah. Um, and charge point chargers are the standard that every other car takes, but Tesla I now have an adapter, so I can use the charge point charger. So for the most part, where we really need to standardize, and, I, and this will come, is the payment systems. So that, you know, when you, you know, there's so many different companies that have chargers out there um, and, and that, that you, you know, you need to have too many different apps. And what they need to do is just like your gas station, take Visa. You know, if you, know, yeah, if you sure. go to a Shell station or a Chevron station or an Arco station, you know, you can pay. Right now, I do, I will be candid, you know, it's not an impediment to buying an electric vehicle, but it's really kind of annoying is if you pull into a place, you know, and it's like, oh, it's, you know, EVgo and it's, you know, charge point. And it's like, okay, yeah. you know, let, let's, you know, let's not make me have all of the different apps on my phone that I would need to have to, to do this. So it reminds me of when I went to LA and we were parking and I had to download an app to park and I was like, I'm not from LA. I don't want this app, but and, and, I have and, to, and so, I have, yeah, to have it. I will say it's not just electric vehicles that are doing yeah. the, the need to have an app for everything. And it really does get annoying if you want to, you know, like I wanted to watch the NCAA basketball game and I wasn't, you know, anywhere near TV. So I wanted to stream it on my phone. And I'm like, well, I got to download, I can't just watch it on the web. I've got to download the TBS app to watch. Okay, fine. These are really first world problems. These are super first world problems. <laughs> and I wouldn't want anybody to think that, that's an impediment to buying an electric vehicle. So you know, going back to, to the other question you said, where I was talking about perceptions, um, you know, the cars charge quickly. They'll go as far as you need. And they're 
and, and most people cringe in the EV world, but they're normal cars. And you have to use that term to get people to understand it. You know, you're driving down the street now, like Tesla stands out like a bit of a sore thumb because it's a Tesla. The Kia, you know, EV6, gorgeous looking car. It's a crossover SUV, ample storage space, very affordable, starting price down under $40,000 and $7,500 federal tax credit, plus depending upon where you live, California has a whole bunch of different credits. SMUD has credits. There's different counties have different yeah, credits. Yeah, I saw that SMUD. I mean, we're all, everyone outside of Sacramento says, who cares, what's that? SMUD is our uh, but local it's, it's not electric just SMUD, utility. By the way. But they have, I think, your first year of charging for an electric vehicle is free through SMUD. And they also have discounted rates, that you know, you, uh, and a discounted rate on all electricity if you charge your electric vehicle at certain hours. And, and SMUD's not the only one. There's certain county airboards will give you $1,000 rebates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of these cars, you know, it's, it can be a little bit of a puzzle. But if you go to, you know, SACEV's website, SACEV.org, you know, they have a lot of this there. It's an electric vehicle advocacy group in Sacramento. Um, and, and they have a lot of these different county programs. And, and, there are, and not just for Sacramento because, you know, they represent the six-plus county area around yeah. Sacramento. So mm-hmm. if you live in Solano County, you can you can figure it out. But I'm going, going back to the, the you know, the, the Kia you're driving next to that on the freeway. You, unless you know, you don't know. Unless you know that that's an EV, you don't know. It's just it looks just like every other car on the road. It's kind of futuristic, kind of cool. Well, the Tesla actually looks pretty normal. The only thing I really noticed on a Tesla looking, right? is yeah. that they don't uh, they don't have the radiator grill. You know, yeah. there's no you can yeah. see that there's no air. There's no radiator grill. Kind of like the and there's kind no like tailpipes. S- yeah, but a lot of cars there. nowadays hide the tailpipes. Anyway, yeah, but yeah that's, no, that's, that's, the, that's the giveaway. Um, you know, you met we before we got on the podcast. We were talking about dealerships and mm-hmm. dealership sort of standard practice works against. Uh, it doesn't encourage electric vehicle sales. Could you chat a little bit about that? What's with the dealership and electric vehicles? And sure. Kind of there's, there's been several things. First of all, um, and I, I believe it was Consumer Reports a number of years ago did a study that found out how much longer it takes to buy an electric vehicle from a, a car dealership, separate from Tesla. Um, Tesla, you know, and a few others now are, you know, are the, the, the companies that only produce EVs. Um, but the others, you know, Ford's got their F-150 pickup truck coming out. And I know a few people have ordered that. Matt Rex Road, I think, yeah, has Matt ordered Rex, one. Matt Rex Road's ordered one. He and I were he's, chatting about that. He's going to put a whole bunch of lawn signs on the back of that F-150. <laughs> and off he goes. Um, and, you know, a friend of mine just bought a Ford Mustang. Ford now only makes the Mustang as an EV. Um, and so... That changes the whole culture of the car, right? You when are the they going to make the Ford the, Cobra EV? That's yeah, what I want to know. It, and the F-150 yeah. is going to be an E-150, right? Right. And so you've got, you know, so that's that's where you're buying an electric vehicle from a car dealership that doesn't have any expertise. And it's got it getting better because there's so many more out there. But, you know, in the early days, you'd go to Chevy. And unless you really knew what you're talking about, like they'd have these EVs. But the dealers, they didn't, you know, the, the, the salesman didn't know much at all about them and didn't want to learn about them and didn't want to talk about them. So, you know, it, it made the process of buying one uh-huh. a lot slower and a lot more problematic. Also, you know, Tesla has kind of upended that because if you want to buy a Tesla and and now the other car companies have adopted this model, you know, if you want to buy a Tesla, you can do the entire transaction from your computer or your phone. You can upload your insurance documents, you know, you can pay, you can do everything. If you want to test drive it, you go to the dealership and test drive it. And even the test drive process can be easy because it's all controlled electronically. Sometimes they'll just set up some cars in a location and you schedule your test drive and there's nobody there yeah. at a pre-prescribed time. And they can deliver it to your house. And they can deliver it to your house and all of that. So the, the, the others are now allowing you to do that. Where the, the, the real significant impact that we are talking about earlier comes in is Electric vehicles require a lot less service. 
And the model, as I understand it, I'm not an expert in car dealerships, but as I understand it through the work that I've done, you know, with electric vehicles, um, car dealerships these days, uh, you know, they, they've gone a lot away from that haggling. Um, and, and a lot of the mark, you know, it's just kind of a little bit of a markup on the price when you buy the car. There's the profit built in and there's no, like, let's haggle and you're going to pay, you know, pay this and they're going to pay that. And, um, but the service is where, you know, the regular scheduled maintenance, oh, that you need to come in for an oil change every 3,000 miles, you know, and you need to get your, eh. there's no oil to change in a pure electric vehicle. There's no spark plugs in a pure electric vehicle. Um, and even in a, you know, plug-in hybrid like the Chevy Volts or the Honda Clarities and some of those other ones that are still out there with, you know, that'll get 50 miles on the electric, the you know, the life of the oil is a lot longer. The, you know, life of the spark plugs is a lot longer. So you're changing the service model, even the brakes. An electric vehicle is truly innovative because in a gas-powered car, you know, you waste a lot of energy. When you take your foot off the gas and stop, you're, you've burned gas to have that momentum go forward. And then you're, you know, you're wasting it because you're slowing down, you know, obviously have to. With an electric vehicle, when you start slowing down, it actually sends that energy from the, um, from the, the wheels back to the battery. So it'll charge the battery. Um, and that's, you know, it's physics, basically. Any generator to generate electricity except for photovoltaic is turning a turbine. So just removing your foot removing stops your the car. foot. Removing your foot will slow the car down. Slow Momentum down. is still going forward. Kind of a little bit like the engine brake on a truck. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so it sends electricity back. And you can actually watch that on the screen, which direction the energy is flowing. Is it, you know, flowing from the battery to the wheels or is it flowing from the wheels to the battery? So now, you are a policy guy. You were an elected official. And... Aside from any value for saving money, uh, I think the big point on electric cars, we're trying to get away from fossil fuels. We're trying to address mm -hmm. a greenhouse effect uh, and global warming. And we're not really meeting those goals at this point. We're not even coming close to it. Nope. So can you speak to how the adoption of electric cars can can address that and how quickly that needs to happen and maybe about how the government is going to encourage the use of electric cars. Like you had mentioned something interesting that, uh, you know, the VW scandal of a, whatever mm -hmm. it was 10 years ago now, Somewhere where they there, yeah. discovered that they were uh, changing emissions mm -hmm. and there was a settlement. And one of their settlements is that they agreed to create electrify America, mm -hmm. which is now putting electric, uh, car stations all over the place and electric buses. There's, there's more than just car electric car electric buses. So, can you talk about the, sort of the, the electric car in the bigger picture of addressing global warming? Sure. Um, you know, it, and it's funny. Uh, it, it, California's gone through a shift, um, and and people remember. And actually, there's some pushback on it. We went from a shift away from electricity to natural gas. Because electricity used to be generated by coal and oil and dirty sources, and natural gas was much cleaner than, than those sources. And now, because so much of California's energy is you know, generated through wind and solar and thermal and you know, geothermal and, and hydroelectric sources that have zero emissions, we're starting to shift back the other way. Um, you know, because now we've gotten rid of, I actually had legislation that got rid of coal imports. We don't generate any coal. And now we, you know, Don Parada and I wrote legislation that banned import of coal energy into the state of California. So you're not importing dirty energy. We're so of the energy we're producing, natural gas is the, is the dirtiest. And even in California where we have the scrubbers and it's clean natural gas or as clean as it can get, we're still producing that. So there's been that, that shift. And that's, you know, in that electrification you're seeing everywhere. 
Um, and that can really help provided we're making sure that we have, you know, we build the grid robust enough and we, uh, you know, make the changes, uh, you know, that, that account for that. And it's one of the pushbacks I get in electric vehicles is the grid. It's like, well, yeah, if we were to implement, you know, if we were to suddenly adopt 40 million electric vehicles at the you know, snap of your fingers tomorrow, you know, a problem. It's taken us 10 years to get to a million. PG&E is partnering with Ford and others. And they're, they're, it's all in their build out plans. So, you know, as long as we're taking care of that side of things, electrification is, is really the key and, and not just in the passenger vehicle. The car that excites me the most, the two cars, I guess I should say, that excite me the most are the Tesla semi-truck which is testing on the roads now. It should be out any any minute now. Is this their version of the pickup? No. This is their version of the giant 18-wheeler. Oh, okay. I can show you pictures later if you want. Pictures <laughs> don't translate yeah. so well uh -huh. on a podcast. Yeah, um, yeah their 18-wheelers um, are affordable, get 600 miles range, zero emissions. They they are Teslas, mm -hmm. but semi-trucks. And this actually transform the corridor down in Los Angeles. Yeah, it, you know, port. it'll it'll eliminate, you know, idling where trucks have to, there's no emissions in the idle yeah, time, uh -huh. all of that sort of stuff. That and the delivery vans that uh, that companies are coming up with. I mean, uh, 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 UPS already has some electric delivery vans, but Amazon is electrifying 100,000 of them. Well, uh, and that seems like that would be really a good fit because you mentioned that electric vehicles do better in cities, and obviously most yeah, deliveries are going to be in exactly. cities. Exactly, and I will say marginally better. Let's, let's not let's okay. not pe make people think they do poorly on the highways. I'm just talking from a pure academic standpoint. The same way you see uh, on a sticker of a gas-powered car, you know, city, you know, and highway MPG, 20, you know, 25 city, 33 highway. You know, it's because a gas-powered car doesn't do really well with starting and stopping. Um, and that's unfortunately where most of people driving, you know, and whereas an electric vehicle does a lot better with the starting and stopping, as we just talked about, when you take your foot off the gas and recharge it. So, you know, you can drive a lot, lot further that way. It still does fine, as I said, on the freeways. I mean, I drove to San Francisco and back without needing to charge. I can drive to Tahoe and back without needing to charge. I can drive to Monterey and back, you know, not Monterey and back. I can drive to Monterey without needing to charge. But whoever drives to Monterey and back on the same day? So, you know. I have I'm, done it I in the last month. My hands up, too. <laughs> I have never driven from Monterey. I've driven to Tahoe back on Monterey. I did day. stop and get lunch, so I could have charged Right, you could have charged. It's just, um, and Tesla and Electrify America, too, does a great job of making sure you can always make it from one charge. They, they don't put them so far apart. There's, I think the, the furthest they are is right around 200-something miles. So you can easily make from one to the next. without. You just have to plan. You have yeah, to be organized. Do. So but if you're a slob and you're really not organized, you're in trouble. Well, you, you know what? Trouble. Trouble. There's apps for that. <laughs> Electrify America, you know, all of the charging companies, um, ChargePoint, uh, you know, they, they all have apps that will tell you, and you can program it straight into your car and they can drive you straight there. And, you know, like you know, with Tesla, you just push a button and say, find me the nearest charging station and it directs you right to it on your map. Cool. And so, uh, let me ask you one last question. Sure. If I wanted to buy an electric car, how much would I have to spend? What's the range? Um, Remember, you're talking to a peasant without much money, so. Well, I mean, I, and I mean this genuinely. I often advise people, depending upon their use cases, to buy a used one or to buy a plug-in hybrid. I drove a plug-in hybrid for many, many years um, because it was the best available for my use case at the time. So, you know, I, I, obviously there are far more electric vehicles out there now. There are so many models from so many companies, everything from, as we said, the, you know, the upcoming Ford F-150 to, you know, SUVs from multiple companies. VinFast is just about to release their SUV, all with ample range. So there's, there's got, there's multiple companies out there with multiple cars in multiple, multiple categories. Um, 
but it may be that depending upon your use case, you know, a used one. And I've, I, years ago, I would talk to friends about that. They've got their gas car. And if they needed to go to San Francisco, that's what they'd use. And this is when ranges were much shorter. They'd buy a used Nissan Leaf, for example, which you can get for under $10,000. Um, its range is less than 100 miles. But look, if you're driving, if you live in, you know, since most of your listeners are, you know, in Sacramento, you know, if you're in Land Park or you're in, you know, Carmichael or you're in, you know, in Natomas, you know, you're not driving that far. You're driving to work, you're driving to the grocery yeah. store, and you charge every night. Like you know, you just, as long as you're, you know, as long as you're, you're living in a house, or now with the advent of, of of some of these charging stations, as long as you don't mind just stopping to top off once, you know, every couple of days, you know, you don't, you know, you, you don't need to spend Tesla money to get. But what into is the range of a newer one? So they're what forty, probably so, forty to eighty somewhere, or maybe above eighty. Um, yeah. So uh, the the probably the cheapest new one that I've seen is somewhere you know sticker under under forty. Okay. Um, you just know, for Tesla. No. Oh, for anyone. Anyone. You, yeah. If you can get a Tesla under 40, I'd like to know where because I buy a couple of those. <laughs> um, but then you go on up to Lucid, like I mentioned, you know, right now. They're a relatively new company, um, but they're really – I pay attention to these things. They're really well run. They've got a smart business plan. Um, they've got a number of former Tesla executives who are helming it, and I think they're making all the right moves. They're well over 100000 um, you know, but again, if you look at the comp for the, the Lucid Air, which is their first model premium car, the comp for that isn't a Honda Accord. The comp for that's a <laughs> Porsche or a Ferrari. So let's stop comparing the expensive luxury SUVs to the Honda Accords. The Kia EV6 is in, depending upon what you get on it, right? You know, it could be anywhere from the upper 30s to as high as, you know, 55 or 60. Uh -huh. But again, if you're, you know, you're starting to load the bells and whistles on, and you could say the same thing about a Honda Civic. You go to Honda's website, you can get like five levels of Honda Civic, and the price range between the five and, levels is significant. Yeah. And what sort of kickbacks do you get from the government, from the electric companies, et cetera? It's, I mean, it's, as, it's as very significant. As a former government employee, we try not to use the word kickback. Okay. We try incentives and rebates. Language is important. Language yeah. is important, yes. Um, so there's a $7,500 federal tax credit. Um, and that is still in existence uh, for almost every electric vehicle except Tesla and Chevy uh, because it phases out when you've sold too many cars. So Tesla and Chevy have sold too many cars, which is a good thing. It is also currently subject of much discussion on Capitol Hill with proposals to uh, increase it, increase the amount, uh, increase, you know, change the way it, it, it's implemented. It's not going away anytime soon, but it may improve. Um, and then the, the state of California has rebates. And again, those are income-based rebates, uh, $2,500. So if you make too much money, you don't, you know, and that's fine. That's the way it should be, right? These rebates shouldn't be, you know, designed to help rich people save a few Elon bucks. Musk sure. doesn't need the $2,500. Bucks. Yeah, he does. Right, exactly. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so the... Um, you know, so, so, and then individual counties have different programs. This is why you need to do a little bit of homework. You know, individual counties um, have, you know, sometimes 500, sometimes 1,000. Uh, you also get a carpool sticker. You have to apply for it, um, and you have to pay, like, a nominal $22 fee. But when we, you know, when I, when I drive solo down to the Bay Area, um, which I used to do a lot more before the pandemic, um, I can drive in the carpool lanes. There's, you know, the, the sticker allows you to use these EVs, and that's a little bit of a perk, um, oh. if, you know, if you're looking to save some some time, um, you know. And then SMUD uh, or a lot of local utilities, not just SMUD, a, a number of different utilities around the state have programs to, you know, provide incentives for EV purchase, um, incentives for charging, um, you know, and and so you know, it just depends upon where you live. Is it PG&E? Is it you know Edison? Is it SMUD? Is it you know? 
Imperial Irrigation District, what it, you know, they're all different ones. And you just need to look it up. SMUD's very favorable, but they're not the only one. Um, and so, you know, this is actually, I wrote, I wrote, I've written over the years several different articles on electric vehicles. Um, and one of them argued that the problem is that they label the electric vehicle prices wrong because, you know, they, you know, they should kind of make it clearer what all the incentives are um, and, and what the actual true cost of ownership. So, so going back to a question you asked earlier, the savings, and I kind of talked a lot about things, but I don't think I directly answered it. And it wasn't because I was being a politician. It was just because we're having a free ranging conversation here is, you know, the, uh, what I was showing you on my phone before is my app for my car tracks the, the cost. It's hooked up to my car. So it knows how much energy my car is using and it's connected to SMUD. So it knows how much I'm paying for energy and it knows if I use a supercharger, how much I, I use. So over the last 31 days, it shows me how much, how many kilowatt hours I've put in the car, which is basically how much gas you've put in, but in electric vehicles, you put, you know, electricity, which is measured not in gallons, yeah. but in kilowatt hours. Um, so how much, how many kilowatt hours of charging and how much I paid for that. And based on the average price of gas in the area, what I would have saved. And so over 31 days, I saved about $108. Now I don't drive a lot. So obviously the more you drive, the more the savings, but that's still, you know, you multiply that out over 12 months and suddenly you're now talking about, you know, somewhere between $1,200 and $1,300 that I'm saving on gas. And I, you know, I live relatively short distance from work. If your commute is from Folsom downtown or El Dorado Hills downtown, yeah. you know, you're going to, you know, it, it's, you're going to save significantly more because the, the, you know, every mile you drive, the gap between the cost of gas, you know, it, it's dramatically increases. The, the other one, just to kind of put some things in perspective, I did a quick calculation for somebody yesterday because they were asking about it. You know, I've, I you know, kind of, it, it doesn't give you, it, it's, it's hard to convert electric efficiency to gas, like to make that, which is why you'll actually hear electric vehicles referred to in MPGE, the miles per gallon equivalent of gas is what, whatever it would mean. And you'll often see them in the hundred and whatever range, you know? Um, so what I've done, one of the things you can do is how much does it cost you to drive a hundred miles? So I looked at, you know, kind of my, my data yesterday um, and I found out that it cost me about, you know, again, it's not, it's, it's precise. It's not, you know, super precise. Um, it cost me about $3.80 to drive 100 miles. Um, and that's relatively fixed because, as I said, the price of electricity doesn't change much. It varies a little bit at the external charging stations, but not in my driveway. Um, so it's about $3.80 for me to drive 100 miles. Um, if you've got a comparable car, and I looked, the comp I used was a BMW X3 because it's about the same size. Um, I've got a little more storage, about the same size, and, a, and, a, and about the same luxury, right? You know, somebody who's buying a Tesla isn't gonna decide not to buy the Tesla because they're gonna buy a Toyota Tercel instead. They're looking at that class of vehicle and that, that they've got that much money that they're gonna spend. So I use that as a good comp. I could have probably picked an Audi as well. Um, and it gets, you know, EPA rated, blended rating uh, of 25 miles per gallon. So if gas is $6 per gallon, it takes 25 miles per gallon. That's four gallons to drive 100 miles, four times six. So I'm spending 380 to drive 100 miles. You're spending 24. You know, if gas is $5 a gallon, you know, then it's $20 to spend. And I'm you know, still some paying. companies have standard reimbursement rates. And I think the IRS allows a certain level, you know, per mile driven right. if, you, if you do company business. And yeah. many years ago for me, it was 28 cents. It shows how long ago that was. I think the last I checked a few years was 45 cents a mile. Uh, but if you've got an electric vehicle, 
and you're using your own car and company business, you're going to make out like a bandit. Yeah, because it's you know it's it covers gas. In government, we don't use the word bandit. John. <laughs> That's right. It covers gas. Joker. It covers gas and and wear and tear. And so, as we just said, you know, wear and tear yeah. on an electric vehicle is a lot less. I mean, I you know I've leased my Tesla, and I expect um, that you know, barring some unusual circumstance, I will probably maybe have to put a set of tires on it, and that's it. I won't need to replace the battery. I won't need to replace the brake. I barely use my brakes. I can drive from my house, drop my kids off at school. It's called one-pedal driving. And you can literally bring the car to a stop with one pedal. It's just, it takes you about a day to adjust um, to use the gas pedal as a yeah. brake just by pulling back on the gas pedal. You can control, using your gas pedal, you can control how fast the car slows down. So just the same way as you're in a, in a traditional car approaching a red light or a stop sign, you know when to pull your foot off the gas and how much brake pressure to put yeah. to stop at the limit line or stop before the bumper of the car in front of you. In fact, it's like the bumper cars in the amusement park. Right. You drive a Tesla, you drive a Tesla although a little smoother than the bumper cars. Um, you know, you drive a Tesla or any other EV, but Tesla really has is the one who's really out there with it now in, in, in true one-pedal form. You learn the same thing. So I know how far to the stop sign, and I know how much I have to back off the gas pedal to stop at the stop sign or whatever. And it's smooth as can be, and it's no problem at all. So what, and, and that is not the brake caliper clamping down on the rotor. That's just the generator sucking all the forward momentum out and sending it back to the battery. Um, and so I don't think I'll need to, I won't need to replace brakes. Obviously don't have any oil to change. Wiper fluid. Yeah. I'm going to have to replace some wiper fluid, you know, uh, and, 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 that, and that, that's it. That's, okay. Those are my expenses. Um, well, Lloyd Levine, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Tim Foster, did you want to add anything? Well, I think we're, I think Lloyd's going to join us for our, our feature oh, right. today. Yeah. The worst week. Worst week. Worst week. Our feature of who has the worst week in California politics. Often our guests don't want any part of this, <laughs> but thank you so much for doing it. So this feature, as we said, is who had the worst week in California politics. And we came up with uh, Congressman Amy Barra, who got bit on the butt by a fox, as I understand it, maybe twice, actually, and tried to fend it off with an umbrella, which didn't seem to work so well. The last <laughs> I heard, he was going to take a series of rabies shots. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna take some liberties and go. I'm gonna go best week, worst week. So I I, I don't know. We can cut this out. Then no problem. Go ahead. <laughs> so worst week was clearly Ami Barra. Like you know, anytime you get bit by a fox in the butt, you know, or, or and a rabid fox and a rabid fox, and really frankly <laughs> anywhere, butts probably were anyway. Anytime you get like that, that's that's a bad that's a bad week. Fortunately, you know, it was not a political scandal for him. It was just being bit in the butt, as he um, said. He really thought he'd be bit by Fox TV, right. not an actual right. Fox. Not an actual Fox. <laughs> Best week, hands down, um, uh, Eleni Kunalakis uh, signed a bill into law. And in the 172-year history of California, no woman has ever signed a bill into law. Governor Newsom was out of the country. Um, so the lieutenant governor is acting governor. Uh -huh. And she got she signed a bill into law. She signed two, actually, uh, into law. You know, obviously coordinating with Gavin because, you know, wouldn't want to do anything. You know, and she didn't try to appoint a judge. She did not try. Mike she didn't Kerb pull a Mike. I was just going to say she didn't, pull, Jerry Brown. <laughs> she didn't pull a Mike Curb. Um, she, uh, yeah, she didn't pull a Mike Curb. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, to me, best week hands down is, is you know, glass ceiling broken, 172-year uh, history. Uh, of California, uh, a woman signed a bill into law. Yeah, fair enough. That's yeah. pretty cool. You know, and I have to say, being that this is California, that's pretty darn weird. 
considering that yeah. you know some of the other states, right. like you know, you know, the, is it uh, South Dakota has a female governor, and some well, of these, you know, Texas had a female governor. Alabama, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. K. Ivy, K. Ivy, K. Yeah, you know, so we're not we're leading from behind here. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, that I agree completely. You look around the country at the number of states who you know you'd be surprised at, and California has never had a woman governor. So you know, Eleni's been acting governor a number of you know, Lieutenant Governor Kunalakis uh, has been an acting governor a number of times, but you know, this time she got to sign the the renter protection bill into into law. So significant bill uh, and a significant moment. I think she history. certainly had a better week than Ami Bera. Yeah, and speaking of Ami Bera and his rabies treatment. Has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but I had the rabies treatment when I was a kid. Whoa! We were in Europe, and I was walking around somewhere. I was five years old, and I got bit by a dog, and we couldn't find the dog. So they, and as I understand it, it was some sort of a, a serum they gave you, and there was a, and I remember this. There was a needle. It must have been half a foot long. This needle, at least to a five year old, and I remember, <laughs> and they gave it to you in the stomach. I've heard that. I have yeah. knock on wood. Never had to have a rabies shot. Yeah. I came you don't so know. close. Like two years ago, oh, yeah. I was in, I was driving, and there was a little dog in the road, and I stopped and tried to get him out of the road, and he was running around very confused. And he got bumped by a car very lightly. I managed to get the car, the other car coming the other way, slowed down enough, and then the driver and I then corralled the little dog, <laughs> who had been a stray dog clearly, uh, and we corralled the little dog to take him to the vet. And I grabbed him, and man, that dog tore into me. <laughs> and uh, really? Really? and uh, fortunately, you could test it for rabies. Though. Well, you know how you test a dog for rabies? Uh-uh. You cut their head off, and you look at their brain. Oh, there is no but rabies you didn't test. Do that. We well, we didn't do that. I gave the the other guy actually managed to wrap the dog up in a coat and throw him into the car, which I think that'd be like having a badger in your car. But yeah, anyway, so apparently he drove off, but I was out of town. Geez. Wow! And so I, I just, I went to my doctor and said, "What should I do?" And he said, "You know." Was the dog attacking you? And I said, well, only when I grabbed it. He goes, you can do this. He's like, but it's an extraordinarily unpleasant series of shots. So yeah. I, I opted not to do it. I'm still here. So I think the uh, – the bear, he said – And the rabies, foaming at the mouth is barely noticeable. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. I, he also told me that the most common way for Americans to get rabies is to be bit by rabid bats. That I can believe. Bats and um, I, I would think certain kinds of vermin – and just to get bit by an animal you don't deal with and you don't know why it's out, they're wild animals. I, I, that I can see. This yeah. conversation took a dramatic turn yeah. from yeah. electric vehicles yeah. to... Rabies, bats, bats crazy it. little dogs, it's and that. electric vehicles. Electric so, vehicles, yeah. So. Lloyd Levine, thanks again. Thanks for joining us. Okay. And Tim Foster, thank you very thanks, much. Thanks, John. And this is John Howard saying we will talk to you next time around. Thanks again. The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.